Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Tuesday, August 8th. Today is referendum day in the state of Ohio. Maybe you've already heard this in the news. The word abortion is not on the ballot, but that's what it's about. And states all over the country are watching this model of fighting for and against abortion rights. Here's why. Many states have Republican majority legislatures that are banning abortion now that the Supreme Court earlier this year removed abortion as a constitutional right. But many of those same states have a majority of the people who support a right to choose. So abortion rights advocates are trying to go around the legislatures with these referendums where the people decide at the polls, right? It's called direct democracy as opposed to representative democracy. There have already been some notable abortion rights victories this way in some otherwise red states like Kansas, Montana, and Kentucky. Ohio now has an abortion rights referendum set to go for this November We'll go over the wording, which is really important and different than in some other states. But here's the catch. Republicans are pushing back with referendums of their own, like the one up for a vote in Ohio today, that would make all other referendums harder to pass. It's a referendum on referendums. So the word abortion is not on the ballot today, but that's what it's really about. Don't kid yourselves. Only Ohio is having this fight this year, by the way. So many states are watching with 2024 in mind. Let's get into the details with an Ohio reporter and a national reporter covering today's vote. Haley B. Miller, state government and politics reporter based in Ohio's capital, Columbus. She's with the USA Today Network, Ohio Bureau. And Rachel Cohen with the National Angle, senior policy reporter at Vox. Haley and Rachel, thanks for coming on. Welcome to WNYC. Thank you for having me. And let's take this in two parts, the abortion referendum itself first, and then the referendum on referendums, which is being voted on today. Now, Rachel Cohen, I have the abortion referendum in front of me, and it's not like, you know, one line like Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. It's four paragraphs. And if you and the listeners will bear with me, I'm going to read it because I think the details matter. I haven't heard any other broadcast news organization do this, and I think it'll be really interesting for everybody. So here goes. Paragraph one. Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. Paragraph two, the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against either an individual's voluntary exercise of this right or a person or entity that assists an individual exercising this right unless the state demonstrates that it is using the least restrictive means to advance the individual's health in accordance with widely accepted and evidence-based standards of care. So that paragraph can be confusing. What does least restrictive means mean? We'll come back to that. But paragraph three, however, abortion may be prohibited after fetal viability, but in no case may such an abortion be prohibited 
if in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, it is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health. Paragraph four, as used in this section, fetal viability means the point in a pregnancy when in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, the fetus has a significant likelihood of survival outside the uterus with reasonable measures. This is determined on a case-by-case basis. And state, it says, includes any governmental entity and political subdivision. And that's the referendum. That's going to be on the ballot in November in Ohio. So, um, Rachel, um, where do we start? How about the fact that it does place a limit on the right to an abortion defined by viability of the fetus. That's basically what Roe versus Wade had in that Supreme Court decision originally. Was it contentious among abortion rights advocates whether to include that limit? So this is the standard right now that many states are looking at that are considering ballot measures. Um, and as you, as you mentioned, this was the standard that existed under Roe v. Wade. I think the difference here is that the advocates for the abortion rights measure are trying to be more explicit that if a doctor thinks that there are exceptions needed after the point of viability, you know, those should be clearly allowed. The doctor should be in a position where they can make that decision. Sometimes those point of necessary life-saving measures or points where it would be really detrimental to the pregnant person were really sometimes difficult to exercise in the Roe v. Wade era. So this measure in Ohio is trying to sort of restore the fetal viability standard, but also make it clear that there will be exceptions beyond that. There are continually, constantly exceptions beyond that. And so they're trying to sort of make that more explicit. Um, And to be clear, more than 90% of U.S. abortions occur within the first 13 weeks of a pregnancy. And the ones that occur later are typically due to either a fetal complication a life-threatening risk to the pregnant person or because they you know, didn't have enough money to pay to get the um, procedure done earlier. Your article on Vox is called The Next Wave of Abortion Rights Ballot Measures Looks Different from the Last. Is the viability clause an example of that? Uh, sort of, yes. Uh, the, the first wave, which I was referring to, the six abortion ballot measures that voters cast votes on last year in 2022. Um, Most of those measures were about sort of protecting the status quo, kind of preventing rollbacks uh, of reproductive rights. This year, um, a lot of the measures are about restoring rights, you know, or trying to preempt further rights too. But, you know, in Ohio, they have already um, restrictions. They're battling in court. So this would be a way to sort of prevent those restrictions from taking effect. And in other states like Arizona, that's considering a ballot measure, it would it would restore access in Florida, it could restore access. Um, so definitely that's one way it's different. And another way it's different are just some of the arguments that people are making for and against um, the initiatives. Now, Rachel, I also wanna draw attention to the first line of the referendum which is very broad, and I see this is how Republicans are trying to convince people 
It's about other things uh, than abortion, like gender-affirming care. I'll read that first line of the referendum again. It says, every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including, but not limited to, decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. So why was it worded that way? And is, is that also different from the last wave of abortion rights ballot measures? Um, so, you know, I think what opponents of this amendment are trying to do is they're trying. So first, the first thing they're doing is they are harp, harping on the words every individual um, to say, oh, well, that could include minors. That could include your children. Oh, this is a threat to parents. And they're really sort of trying to take the focus away from, you know, the reproductive decision making of of adults and trying to say this is a threat to Ohio's parental consent laws and this could enable, you know, young people to get uh, surgeries for gender affirming care that their parents might not like. And that's um, a pretty sort of transparent, I mean, if they if they spend their time talking about how this could restrict abortion rights, well, we know from multiple polling over, you know, years that that's not very popular with, um, voters in Ohio. So this is sort of one attempt to try to pivot the conversation to things that might be less popular and and cause, you know, more discomfort with voters. Um, the, the sort of question of like, is it broader than other ballot measures? I mean, not entirely, like Vermont's was, was pretty, um, you know, was, was kind of spanning the spectrum of reproductive care. And um, they're definitely sort of looking, some some states are looking at sort of more inclusive language about the full spectrum. Um, I think the, but to your point, some states are looking at what's happening in Ohio as opponents of abortion are trying to make this about either youth health care or transgender youth health care and um, so like in Florida, they have put more explicit language in their proposed ballot measure that this would not affect Florida's rules around parental consent. And I know uh -huh. in other states like Arizona, they're considering similar language, not because they necessarily agree that not because they agree that Ohio's language does undermine Ohio's parental consents. And indeed, a lot of legal experts have said, you know, it doesn't. But they want to try to preempt that line of attack from you know, distracting from their broader focus around reproductive health care. And I guess the last thing I'll say is there's definitely legal experts who say the way that courts have long interpreted statutes uh, is that there is, you know, historically, there's there's long been a difference in how you um, interpret the word individual between adults and, and minors. And so that's sort of another reason why I think it's a stretch that they're making it. Um, but it is, you can see the argument that, oh, this is this is too broad, and that's what they're trying to claim. Right. You're saying that case law indicates that mm -hmm. even when a constitutional uh, state constitution has the language every individual in it or language like that that's that broad, it has found not to restrict a state's ability to pass parental consent or parental notification laws. Haley, for you as the Ohio reporter, 
What is Ohio law in that respect now? Does a minor seeking an abortion need parental notification or parental consent? They do, yeah. That is one of the state's many abortion regulations. And another point on this debate over whether this would affect uh, transgender health care, ultimately this is going to go before the Ohio Supreme Court, this language, you know, various laws are going to be challenged as a result of this language. And a lot of legal observers look at our state Supreme Court, which is controlled by conservatives and say, you know, they're not going to make a sweeping decision on parental rights that would ultimately take those rights away from parents. This is a conservative court. They're not, Mm -hmm. that's not something they're likely to decide. So the likelihood of this affecting, uh, transgender health care here is slim, but parental consent is required for things like that and abortion. What are the LGBTQ advocates saying, Haley, about whether this amendment would confer a right to gender-affirming care? I could see where they would want it to be interpreted that way or that they don't want to enable the abortion rights opponents, you know, to use them as a distraction. Yeah, I don't think any LGBTQ advocates are really getting behind that argument. To your point, a lot of the ads that are running against the abortion amendment and even against issue one, which we're voting on today, are using a lot of this language about taking parental rights away, um, allowing children to get gender surgery without parental consent. Abortion advocates and LGBTQ advocates say these are this language is it's a scare tactic. It's not accurate. And so they don't really want to be involved in that. They don't want to be used as a pawn in the debate for abortion. All right, Haley, what's on the ballot today? What would it actually do? Issue one would make it harder to change our state constitution, and it does that in a few ways. The headline is that it would require 60% of the vote to enact new constitutional amendments instead of a simple majority. It also makes changes to the signature gathering process for citizen initiatives, citizen amendments. So, for example, right now, citizen groups only need 40 signatures from 44 counties to put an amendment on the ballot. They would need 88 to put something on the ballot if issue one passes, and it would also get rid of a 10-day cure period that's currently in place that essentially allows these groups to replace signatures if the Secretary of State's office determines that any of them are faulty for any reason. Now, you've been having early voting for a while on this referendum on referendums. Today's the final election day, what we call election day itself. But from the early voting, do you have a sense of how turnout has been? Are people being galvanized by this? Are people getting that this is about abortion rights uh, and whether the November election, uh, the November referendum has a better or worse chance of passing and, and therefore turning out in droves or anything approaching droves, Haley? Well, early voting has definitely surprised election officials and groups on both sides are encouraged by that. I think the final early vote tally is around 500, 600,000. And that's more than came out for early voting in our May 2022 primary, which had competitive primaries for U.S. Senate and governor on the ballot. 
Whether that translates to high turnout today still remains to be seen. It's not clear if everyone was voting early because they were energized and also had other things to do on a Tuesday in August, or if we're going to see a lot of people out today as well. Um, I'll be voting later, so I will see at least how my polling place looks. But to your other question, I think it's become clear to a lot of voters that this is directly related to the abortion question in November. Both sides have made it about more than just abortion, you know, they say that this is about, you know, democracy, citizens' rights, et cetera, but abortion has been the elephant in the room the whole time, and voters who are paying attention are aware of that. Rachel, here's here's an interesting text that has come in that I want to ask you a, a history question about. Um, listener writes, Ohio's vote on issue one today is about basic democracy, not just abortion. The GOP's issue one would increase the threshold for citizens' ballot measures to 60% from 50% uh, for all ballot measures. If issue one passes, it will be much harder for citizens to pass ballot measures for things like minimum wage increase, ending gerrymandering, etc. But I actually want to frame a history question around that concern from a progressive Am I right that referendums have historically been mostly a conservative political tool, like California's famous Proposition 13 from the 1970s that limited property taxes? Uh, You know, I think we've seen, I mean, I guess it depends how far back in history you want to go. But I think there's so many examples, including in Ohio, of it being used for progressive purposes. Um, Some of the examples that, you know, opponents of issue one keep bringing up are some of the really important moments in Ohio's history that, you know, over for over 100 years, they've had it as a simple majority or 50% plus one. Um, and on the ballot in Ohio, they have used that to um, take uh, white male from the Constitution's list of voter eligibility requirements. They've used that to raise the minimum wage or integrate the National Guard. So I think, um, and we've we've really seen, especially over the last 15 years across the country in red states, a lot of progressives have used ballot measures to pass things like raising the minimum wage or marijuana legalization or various campaign finance reforms. So I think that is why we're seeing a lot of these pushes to restrict ballot measures coming primarily from Republican controlled states. Um, I mean, you're right. There are times for sure when business interests, and we see that we've seen that in the last few years in California too, use referendums to, you know, override. and, And there is a, argument that supporters of issue one are making that if you make it harder to change Ohio state constitution, you can help sort of prevent these outside interests from influencing the will of the voters and over um, stating their, their votes. But that just, that argument doesn't really hold up very well, especially given how much outside money is being used to fund the pro issue one side of the ledger. And certainly it's a good example of um, progressive using ballot measures that uh, quite a few states have 
legalized recreational adult marijuana use Mm -hmm. that way in recent years. But Haley, also on the history track in Ohio, wasn't there a famous anti-gay marriage referendum in 2004 that won at the polls, anti-gay marriage, and that also did a lot to help George W. Bush win the presidency? There was, yeah. And if I recall correctly, that did not pass with 60%. I think that was somewhere between 50 and 60. But Ohio has a long history of constitutional amendments going on the ballot. And a lot of them are proposed by the legislature, not citizens or outside groups. And I believe of the all of the proposed amendments that have been proposed by citizens, only 19 have passed in the last 100 or so years. Hmm. So opponents like to bring out that figure and say, Ohio's constitution is not being abused or co-opted like supporters say it is because more often than not, the legislature is the one putting these on the ballot and they Mm -hmm. follow a completely different process to do that than outside groups do. Yeah, in 2004, as I understand it, um, the anti-gay marriage referendum was placed in part for its own sake and in part to boost Republican turnout which, as I understand the history, it did. And people who know that election know that Bush beat Kerry by a hair in Ohio, and Ohio was the decisive swing state that year. So that's an example of how an issue referendum was used by the right to help swing an election. And, Rachel, I wonder if you see that happening next year when there are going to be a lot more abortion rights referendums in states, including swing states, where where Democrats are hoping to boost turnout that will also help win Congress or the White House? Uh, I mean, there's certainly no place where they're going to put it on the ballot in a state that doesn't, you know, need it or or where it's not important. You know, it's not like um, it's not like it's going on the ballot in South Dakota primarily to help Democrats uh, or something like that. But uh, for sure that there is a sense that abortion is a really mobilizing issue, motivating issue for voters across the spectrum, and especially in swing states, it could be helpful. There was division amongst reproductive rights advocates in Ohio. Uh, Some of the groups really did want to put it on the ballot in 2024, and the reason that it really move forward in 2023 is because of these um, doctors who really led the push and kind of mm. led this, um, led a lot of the organizing. And so it got to the point where then everyone else got on board and said, I guess this is what's happening. Um, but, you know, I don't think that it, it would be a mistake to sort of see uh, like Arizona or Florida as as doing it primarily or, or um, to boost Democrats. But th- right. there's no question that political consultants see the opportunity that organizing for a ballot measure campaign might have for Joe Biden. As we run out of time, a consequential election day in Ohio today on the rules for passing referendums. We thank Haley B. Miller, state government and politics reporter based in Ohio's capital, Columbus. She's with the USA Today Network, Ohio Bureau, and Rachel Cohen with the National Angle senior policy reporter at Fox. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time. Thank you.